Hello, and welcome to another episode of African Joe Paddy. My name is Ife, and I'm recording from Staffordshire. And today, we're going to be talking about African Union's Agenda 2020 of silencing the guns. Hello, my name is Dehia Belhabib, and I'm recording from Vancouver. So before we start by introducing our guest, I'd like to give a bit of the context of what today's topic is all about. The African Union idea of silencing the guns by 2020 was conceived in 2013 at the 50th anniversary of the African Union. There, African leaders pronounced their determination to achieve the goal of a conflict-free Africa, to make peace a reality for all, and to rid the continent of wars, civil conflicts, human rights violations, humanitarian disasters, and conflict and violent conflicts, and to prevent genocide. And today we really have an amazing person to speak to us about it, who um, my colleague Dr. Dihia would introduce. Yes, um, we have Mohamed Diata with us today, who is currently a researcher at the Institute for Security Studies. Um, ISS. He's based in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Uh, he focuses on questions of peace and security, governance and development in Africa. He holds a PhD in political science and international relations from Science Po Paris, um, where he also is a lecturer. Who also a lecturer. So thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, thanks for having me. Okay, so obviously we have you here today because we'd like you to shed more light about, not just about the African Union's agenda 2020, but to tell us more about it and whether in your view you think we're actually closer to achieving that goal, even though the deadline is, is this year. Okay. Um... I mean, once again, thanks for having me on on your podcast. Uh, I think it's it's a great initiative to to talk about the uh, you know the continent. Um, and I mean, to start off and and maybe try to answer your question, uh, let me be a little bit ironic by saying that even those who uh, designed the initiative of silencing the guns by uh, 2020 in Africa um, won't be able to tell you precisely and systematically what has been achieved. Uh, but uh, having said that, I think that, uh, and I'll, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to the reason why, you know, there's there's not uh, been any sort of systematic uh, assessment as to where we are in terms of silencing the guns on the continent. But the reality is that uh, if you look around the continent, um, the observation is that uh, conflict has uh, increased in many uh, regions of this continent. So it will be difficult to make the case that uh, we are nowhere near achieving this goal of silencing the guns in Africa. That's interesting. So I wonder, why do you think that is? I mean, the visions seem to be quite clear when they laid out the agenda. Why do you think we're not anywhere close? Why do you think that 
conflict seems to be continuing or new ones seem to be emerging despite the agenda being set? I mean, the, the very basic thing about um, silencing the guns by 2020 is that it was a very ambitious goal set by uh, the African Union. Uh, this was to be achieved in uh, seven years. As you reminded us, this, this is an initiative that started in 2013. And three years later, in 2016, is when the African Union came up with what they call the Master Roadmap, uh, mm -hmm. practical steps towards uh, silencing the guns. So if you think about that, you would understand that it took essentially three years out of the seven years for the African Union to uh, actually have, you know, a, a proper, what I would call a proper plan towards mm. achieving this goal. This is three, three years that were lost, essentially. And then you have, uh, you know, four years remaining to silence the guns on a continent of 55 countries and 1.3 billion people. Which, is, which also happens to be the continent where you have seven of the 14 uh, UN peacekeeping missions on the continent, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, on, in the world. And just, you know, a, a proliferation of conflicts also on the continent since uh, 2012. You could, you know, speak about the case of more, you know, overt uh, conflicts such as in the Central African Republic, but also emerging ones such as in northern Cameroon, northwest and uh, southwest of Cameroon. So you essentially have a situation where as much as the vision was there, uh, the way in which the African Union and Africa went about trying to achieve this uh, was not quite clear. There is also not sure that there is also um, one thing that's very important, um, and the approach about this as well is very important. Is that the conflict is a symptom of something that is much deeper, um, which there is corruption, there is, you know, social issues as well. There, there is a lot of things going on, a frustration with the people. There are 40 million weapons that are circulating within the civilians. And I believe the military and, you know, like the government holds 11 million only in comparison to that. Like most of the 40 million that are circulating are, hold by, are held by militia, for example. But something that I find truly ironic um, is that, you know, and I'm going to say something that might actually be a bit, um, you know, controversial here. Uh, this is what we all about, we're all about anyways. Mm -hmm. Some of these very uh, leaders, that are, that are negotiating, that are um, aiming for peace in their countries um, at the level of the African unions are also these very leaders that are the root cause of the conflict in their own countries. Um, not necessarily the persons, but the way they lead the country, the way they govern the country, the fact that there is a lot of corruption, the fact that there is a lot of, of social issues and social justice issues as well, may be actually a cause for that as well, in, in direct cause. But you know, if you're not able to um, maintain peace in your own country or create an environment where it's peaceful, or or if you're actually creating a conflicting uh, environment, then maybe you should not be there at the first place. 
Um, this is just the way that I feel coming from a country that has been led to conflict in the 1990s in Algeria, where we saw people being killed because of um, a very military government and a very uh, dictatorial regime that is in place up to today. Like the, the conflict is ongoing in Libya as well, which we often you know, fail to consider as somehow an African country, but it is, there's a conflict there as well. Um, and I just find that very ironic actually that um, we're, we're, we're at a stage where this should be the gun should have been silenced a while ago. But to be able to silence the gun, we should address the root causes as well of, of the issue, which are these very leaders that are negotiating for peace in some of these instances. And this is very controversial, I understand. Yes, uh, I mean, you, you're absolutely right. I don't, I don't know if uh, Issa if, uh, if wants to jump in or should I go ahead? Please go ahead. <laughs> okay, thank you. I mean, I mean, you, you're absolutely right. Uh, and I, I think that um, you, you do well to point to the um, hypocrisy in a way, mm -hmm. because what you have just said is, um, you know, correlated or at least, you know, um, uh, what's the word? You know, it makes sense in as far as for many people on the continent, decision makers included, and at the level of the African Union, there is a recognition, and I think it's a consensual recognition, that a lot of the issues that we have or the conflicts that we have on the continent emerge from, you know, what we call structural causes. Mm -hmm. So your issues around governance uh, deficits, uh, marginalization of certain sections uh, of a particular po population in a particular country, you know, issues around, if you were to sum it up, uh, social justice in general, or just the delivery of very basic um, services to people. So there is that understanding uh, that, you know, most of the conflicts stem from, from those. Uh, and from, in, in other cases, just the absence of uh, the state in some regions of, of, of the continent. So that understanding is there. And the very people who are, you know, uh, the cause of those issues, who feel those issues, who do not address those issues, uh, because I see it in two ways. It's is the fact that there are people, I mean, governments that deliberately uh, sponsor violence mm -hmm, in their mm -hmm. own countries, True. on their own people, uh, but also those that do not play the very basic role of uh, providing security, safety as a public good mm -hmm. for their own people. Uh, those happen to be the same leaders who are entrusted with silencing the guns on the continent. Yes. And uh, this is a very big contradiction that we have to resolve. At country level, it's very, very difficult, obviously, because those uh, you know, regimes are quite powerful. Uh, as much as you know, 2019 last year was quite encouraging uh, with people standing up from, for themselves in Sudan, in Algeria, which you mentioned, 
we saw this in, in other contexts in 2014 in, in Burkina Faso. So there are instances on the continent where people have stood up for themselves uh, to say, you know, enough is enough. But um, unfortunately, and you point this out, I'm not quite sure that I have an answer to how we can resolve that inherent contradiction. Uh, perhaps it's through what I've just said, which is that, you know, African people uh, might have to take their destiny into their own hands, uh, you know, which also comes with other uh, consequences, obviously. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the scary part there is that if the example of Algeria, and I know this very well, um, because I'm from there, um, what happened, and the same thing in Sudan actually, is that it's very scary because even if they did take their matters into their hands, um, it might actually fail. In the case of Algeria, for now, even though the Herak, we call it the Herak, was peaceful, and it lasts since the, sec the 22nd of February 2019, peaceful protests, which is like a first on the continent, you know that usually it explodes very well into violent protests, um, actually ended up still with the, the president, the former president resigned, but it still ended up with the installation of another dictatorial regime. And the actual president is not accepted among the crowds, but, um, and it might lead to conflict in the future. It's very scary, actually, it might lead to conflict, but it's still ongoing. Um, and this president who has been rejected by the people, who has not been voted by the people, is going to be the one at the level of the African Union being there talking about silencing again. And what scares me in that is that it might be an agenda for repressive regimes. Silencing again, to me sounds as like a, we're going to silence the people um, that are causing conflict. The, actually, the people that are causing conflict are the ones that are asking for the rights, if you understand what I mean there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Please. No, please. No, go no, on. please. You can go ahead. <laughs> no, I'd really like you to go on because you're the guests. Okay, okay. Um, Thank you. I mean, uh, this is probably uh, the, 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 the toughest. Um, you know, issue to to resolve. Um, people can stand up for themselves. Um, try and topple a regime, if you want to call it that, topple a regime or remove a regime or what have you. Uh, the question is often what comes after that? What comes next? Exactly, yeah. What, com what comes next and how does it come about? Um, We've not quite, we've not been able to to figure that out uh, yet. I think it, it's really at national level for those movements that stand up for, for themselves to find a way, um, you know, to devise a strategy, a plan for whatever you want to call it, be it a transitional period or a transition period, or you know a new uh, sort of um, governance and government system. Um, I, I don't know that there, there is something that can be done at a continental level in those instances. The only thing I think that the African Union can do or that the continent can do is to actually address the issues that lead to, to, to that to people taking to the streets. So in a perfect world, we shouldn't get to that point. 
it should be that people are able to you know receive what they have the right for from from the government and that they are also you know able to um, vote out uh, governments and regimes that are no longer serving the interest of the people uh, and I think I, I just want to emphasize this point right the point that actually there are frameworks in place both to work towards you know um, conflict prevention peace building post-conflict reconstruction uh, and we also have you know frameworks to ensure that uh, our countries uh, go more towards you know good governance ensuring that people live a fulfilled life uh, in their countries so you have on the one end the, the, the one thing called the African peace and security uh, architecture right mm -hmm. and on the other end you have the African governance architecture uh, those are two frameworks that exist at the continental level that are um, you know meant to address on the one end your uh, strictly peace and security uh, conflict or violent conflict issues and on on the other hand your governance issues that are often the root causes of uh, of conflicts on the continent so you do have the frameworks they are there but there is you know a gap uh, between those frameworks and how they are actually you know implemented so um, I think we do have a long way to go and it's for all of us, and I think this podcast is, is part of it, to keep pushing and to keep discussing those issues and, you know, to be also just, you know, the, uh, uh, the change that we want to see, as they say. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if you think, especially if we keep in mind, actually, the example of Gambia comes to mind, whereby in 2016, when the new president came into power with the help of a coalition, he noted that he was going to stay in power for three years, after which obviously there was going to be an election. He was only doing it to allow for an easy transition. But as we're hearing, I think from yesterday, up to three people have died due to protest because the president is now saying that he'd like to see the five terms. He would like to now see to the five years presidential terms, which is different from what he agreed when he was um, inaugurated in 2016. So I wonder if in this context of obviously not violating human rights, because this is also going to be a way of um, silencing the gun, ensuring that um, people's um, human rights are respected, their political rights are respected, whether you think the African Union should actually be more assertive, especially which was unfolding in the Gambia, now we've had three deaths do you think they should come out now at the earlier stage to say something about it rather than wait until it um, deteriorates to something worse? Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, when I was speaking about APSA, the African Peace and Security Architecture, the mm -hmm. one key pillar of, uh, of APSA is uh, the African Union Peace and Security Council. And the African Union Peace and Security Council is, uh, you know, the organ within the, the union that has the power essentially to, you know, make pronouncements uh, on such issues. Uh, 
uh, it does have the power to sanction individuals. It also has the power to uh, even suspend countries from participating in um, the activities of the union. In cases of human rights uh, violations, for instance, so there, there is definitely, you know, like I was saying, an existing framework and existing organs that can do that. But what we've noticed over the years is that um, <clears throat> there's typically what we call early warning. So early warning will be what you've just described, a situation that is, uh, you know, unfolding, uh, that is deteriorating. Uh, so the early warning is there from uh, research institutions, from within the African Union itself, that as a an early warning unit. Um, but what's often lacking, or the gap, is usually between early warning and early action. And early action, in this case, would be done by the Peace and Security Council of the African Union or the African Union as a whole. Mm -hmm. to say, is the situation in Gambia? Let us um, let us uh, take care of it in a manner that it doesn't deteriorate further. Uh, and then there are a number of ways in which it can do that. There is there is quite diplomacy, obviously, which we are not always aware of. Um, mm -hmm. But then there are also stronger measures that uh, the Peace and Security Council could take. Uh, unfortunately, we don't always feel that there is work being done to prevent a conflict from, you know, deteriorating or a situation simply to deteriorate. And there are many examples to this. You have the situation in Cameroon, which we also get mm -hmm. to the to the point of, you know, it's a a civil war uh, mm -hmm. almost in in the southwest and northwest of of Cameroon. So. Um, the other challenge I think is also, and at least in the case of the Gambia, is that you then have regional mechanisms um, or regional organizations uh, or sub-regional organizations rather, in this case ECOWAS, so the Economic Community of West African States. There's, there's not always clarity as to uh, the, the relationship between the African Union, the Peace and Security Council, and then your sub-regional organizations which are supposed to be the build the building blocks of uh, you know of the African Union as a continental organization so those are some of the issues that need to be resolved in order for you know the issues such as the Gambia to be addressed right uh, and actually in the case of the Gambia if you remember in 2017 it's equals that took the lead it wasn't really the African Union yeah so you also have to be able to, to find, you know, in which case does the African Union intervene, in which case does the sub-regional organization intervene. But it's something that at their level, they are also trying to resolve. Um, there's one last thing I wanted to, to just touch on very briefly, is mm -hmm. that we do have continental organizations, regional organizations, and obviously, uh, they are composed of member states. Uh, the Gambia is a member state. And a member state on this continent, um, or any member state, has their sovereignty. And often sovereignty is the uh, very stumbling block for 
any organization to intervene in a country. So if the Peace and Security Council or the African Union wants to intervene in the Gambia, it may be faced with the issue of, you know, the Gambia says, uh, or the Gambian government rather says, mm. we do not have any particular issue that needs the, you know, intervention or mediation of the African Union, we are fine. And there isn't really much that uh, the AU can do in this case or ECOWAS can do in this case, unless there, are, there is proof that there is actual, you know, violation of human rights, people are being murdered, et cetera, et cetera. And mm -hmm. even then, it's really not that simple because there are other diplomatic uh, uh, tractation or, or, or rather talks that are happening in the background. And you can see this in, um, you know, in the case of Cameroon. Uh, I want to end here, but I have something else I would also like to say. If I may, in 30 seconds, because you touched, you touched on the Gambia and Adam Abaro as the president who was yeah. incumbent, who came into power, made uh, several promises to the people. Yeah. I just want to highlight the fact that this is, this is a common story on this mm -hmm. continent. Adam Abaro is one <laughs> of many. So as we are discussing today, you have people who have been in the political game for 50 years. In Côte d'Ivoire, Alassane Ouattara used to be in, in government, became opposition, uh, you know, went to prison, was barred from taking part in political life, etc. Mm -hmm. finally got into power, now is, you know, ambiguous about a third term. Mm -hmm. You have the same example in Guinea, where Alpha Condé was in opposition, yeah. he was in prison, he was mm -hmm. fighting for the people, allegedly. Look mm -hmm. at the situation in Guinea, he is seeking a third term. People have been protesting since, you know, last year, September or August. Yeah. Many people have died. Yeah. So there is something there which we need to resolve. And I, I, would, I would say that Barack Obama was right when he said Africa needs uh, strong institutions. Africa doesn't need strong men. Yes. And I think we've got to be able to start building the institutions that we need for African people. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have well, eight on the recording. Okay. Sorry, so that was quite long of a response. No, 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 but that was, yeah, detailed. And, and that is, is amazing to hear. Um, it obviously would mean that we, we might have to invite you again because there are so many other aspects I would like to talk about. So, for example, the, you're seeing that um, a lot of the conflicts in the continent is made worse by the pro proliferation of illicit arms, so much so that some of the conflicts that would, for example, be fought with the use of cut cutlass or machete is now being fought with guns. So um, it's, it's really interesting that beyond even the governmental issues and, and saying um, silencing the gun from that perspective, there is also more that needs to be done to ensure 
that they put an end to the illicit movement of um, small arms and lightweight weapons, either by air, land, or sea. So thank you so much for really um, a detailed and a really interesting um, insight into what is going on, um, why some of the challenges in terms of why we haven't achieved it exist, and I guess some of the probable solutions as to how we can get there. Yes. No, thank you. I mean, you're absolutely right. Also, in this case, we, we could uh, go into more details about the other aspects of uh, financing the guns, one of which is obviously you know, the proliferation of small arms and, and light weapons on the continent. A big, big issue, obviously, a major issue. Um, so I'll be happy to come back and go into more detail. But if I may say, um, there is an article I wrote about, about that um, called Why Africans Were Shocked by the Pictures from Sochi. So basically, mm -hmm. this is about the, um, the Russia-Africa summit, which took place in October. Yes. And uh, pictures came out of African um, officials, uh, you know, looking at weapons and, you know, being all happy about it, testing out those, you know, those uh, sophisticated weapons, etc. Um, but the point of the article was to say that we have a problem in Africa, which we all understand. Mm -hmm. Too many guns. Too many guns. And it's the reason why we said we want to silence the guns by 2020 as much as it's about you know violent conflict and resolving uh governance issues it's also about you know the very physical thing that is a weapon and the numbers are there and they don't lie uh we have i mean this is an oxfam study that says uh there's about 100 million small um weapons small arms and light weapons in circulation on the continent and that those weapons, um, you know, fuel crime and conflict. Uh, you obviously have Africa spending about 40 billion US dollars in 2018 to purchase weapons. Mm. Uh, and this is, this is the numbers that are available. But if you look at the, the dark side, what I would call the dark side, the numbers that we don't have, and arms trafficking on the continent is a massive uh, problem. Um, so I believe it's, it's something that, you know, that is worth uh, spending time on and that I don't believe the continent has quite figured out how to address those issues. Uh, I mean, this particular issue. And then you obviously also have another aspect which we could go, go into next time mm -hmm. is uh, the proliferation of uh, foreign military uh, bases mm -hmm. and soldiers on the continent. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And particularly, in, say, in the Horn of Africa, you have about uh, 11 foreign military bases wow. only in the Horn of Africa. So you have those very practical, you know, challenges which also need need to be addressed in the context of uh, silencing the guns on the continent yes yeah these are very good follow-up topics actually uh, thank you so much for that uh, dr dieta we're um 
we're going to wrap up with this. Um, looking forward to the next conversations we're going to have, hopefully. Ife, do you have something to add? No, I just want to say um, thank you so much for joining us. And even though we know that we might not achieve the agenda 2020, but we're hoping that with time, with you and with all our listeners, especially those in the continent working together, that we will actually um, achieve that dream of silencing the gun in the African continent in time. Thank you so much for everybody who is listening as well. Thank you, Dr. Diata, for being with us. Um, uh, please share this podcast um, within your circles. Um, thank you so much again and have a great day. Bye -bye. Okay, thank you, for, thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.